Well, welcome once again, everyone, to Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you on this Friday morning. As you can see, we have our panel all set up. We got Keith back into the driver's seat. We can't do it without Keith and his insights. But of course, his beautiful and amazing sidekick, Robin, is joining us today because we need even more insight of what's going on. Hollywood is changing so fast. We need to get everyone's angle, and this week is nothing to spare than crazy changes. So welcome, Robin. Welcome, Keith. Happy Thank Friday you. to you guys. Yay, happy Friday. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Robin, we're going to get to a couple of uh, questions I have, especially about Sundance and some of the award show stuff. But before we do that, Keith, we got to jump right to that movie poster because I think last week we missed it. And uh, you have Sin City behind you, which I, I, oh. that campaign, I loved that marketing campaign when it came out. It was just so appealing, Dro drove yeah. me into the theater. So uh, Yeah, um, so this is the... Uh, I think it's the final one sheet, um, and uh, this was done by BLT, Claude Bailey and his team at BLT. I think they did the entire campaign. Um, obviously, I love this movie. I was a big fan of Frank Miller as a kid from The Dark Knight Returns, so obviously seeing this movie was really cool, and this was sort of the, I love the style, the way they shot it, and yeah. sort of the, the, the comic booky look to it, and this sort of kicked off that sort of comic book graphic novel kick in Hollywood. I think uh, 300 was shortly after this. So that sort of brought in that whole era. So uh, obviously I snagged this poster just because I love the design. And as I said, big fan of Frank Miller, so. Yeah, that comic noir kind of a moment, yeah. right? I mean, it was so absolutely different when it hit the theaters. It was yeah. uh, fun to see. I was not aware of Sin City before the, the film came out. Um, but I just, I remember watching the trailer and thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to that. I don't, I don't even know what's happening yet, but I'm gonna go to that, that movie. So yeah. pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And of course, BLT. You know, uh, uh, yeah, one of the standards. Yeah. <laughs> they've been around for a few years, you know. Yeah, they, they've been all right. Yeah. Uh, no, clearly, I've obviously uh, been doing it in a, in a faithful a companion to many marketers throughout the year. So I'm yeah. pretty sure you're, you've received many of those, uh, plenty of BLT sandwiches in your life, as well as uh, many rewards from. <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of BLT comps as well. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, I have a question for you guys because Sundance was this week. Um, there's plenty of stuff going on. First of all, you know, if someone told me Sundance was happening, they had to remind me it's happening because I'm in that pandemic shift, not even realize if things are happening or not. Apparently the Super Bowl is this Sunday too. If you, I don't yeah. know if you guys knew that, but it's happening also. Who knew? Um, yeah. But only. Uh, Fans. Those are the only ones who knew. Yeah, only Tom Brady. Only Tom Brady. <laughs> um, but Coda, what the heck, man? It was what's the what was the purchase price for that? Twenty five. North of twenty five. Yeah, it's the highest uh, acquisition ever at Sundance. Um, which it's it's been a trend actually. If you look at the past few years, you know, Birth of a Nation said it just a few years ago uh, for Fox Searchlight, and then last year Palm Springs came in and and took that at, I think, 22, uh, almost 23. Uh, and now uh, Apple came in and bought Coda for 25, which is a significant, you know, significant number, that's for sure. Yeah, isn't that like, I mean, I, I obviously it's an easy shopping spot. We've known for many, many years, Sundance mm -hmm. is the place to kind of get your film into and sell it. 25 million seems like a lot. I mean, a huge ROI from the filmmakers. Hopefully they, uh, they didn't put that much into making the film. But what's Apple really doing? I mean, Apple, again, just spends an enormous amount of money on content that, 
I, all I can see is that they're spending, but I, that's the, probably the last platform I ever think about tuning into to seeing something. Um, there isn't anything much going on there. Are they just trying to make a splash to get you go over there? Because they don't retain my interest uh, once they get me on their platform. Yes, they are. That's what they're doing. <laughs> they're trying to <laughs> um, it, Look, I think, you know, all of them are trying to do that. Um, and content, you know, is the only thing that's going to get people to go there to begin with. It's just a matter of, um, and you have to have good content, um, but to get people to come, but there's just a lot of, I mean, the whole structure of um, distribution, and we've gone through this so much, like the whole structure of the way that content is being distributed is completely changing. And in order to compete, um, they have to buy, you know, they have to spend that money. And it was a bidding battle between Amazon and Apple for that. I'm actually happy that Apple got it because Amazon just had a similar, I mean, it's not similar, but, um, you know, they had a movie uh, surrounding the deaf community this year, Sound of Metal, which I've talked about before. And I love, 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 mm -hmm. love that movie. It's such a great movie. Um, so I actually like that Apple has it because we'll see maybe a different kind of campaign and approach. Um, I like that it's not the same team doing it because I think a lot of those ideas can get recycled when you work on similar, you know, movies. Um, so I'm excited to see what Apple's going to do with it, um, especially now with um, new leadership over there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it all goes, but um, you know, we always say that content is king, which it is. I do think that content is king, but I do think that there's a challenge to that now. I think distribution is becoming king. Whoever yeah. controls the keys yep. to uh, distribution controls, you know, the consumer. Right, so which I mean, format we know, we've lived through, uh, you know, this is our fourth iteration of, of format wars from VHS to beta to, you know, Blu-ray and all that kind of stuff. That we're seeing, we see that that game's playing itself out. And we do say content is king, but I would say more like library is king. And I think Apple falls very short in creating any kind of library. Apple needs to stop buying uh, artists and directors and one film at a time. They need to buy themselves a full studio. They need a deep library if they're going to be competing, because otherwise they're just never going to step up to the Netflix and, and M's. Keith, but, you're nodding but, your head. But that's always been their, their biggest Achilles heel is they don't, they, they were the one streamer who came into the game without a solid library. Um, Amazon had all those years to build up a library um, and they have licensing deals all over the place. Plus they have the added benefit of prime. So you can still get benefit of ordering from Amazon free shipping and Apple, you know, prime video, obviously Disney has the ultimate library, especially with their acquisition of Fox and Apple has always been there with like, um, yeah, we don't have anything like we, you know, a couple movies here. We have one or two TV shows here, but that's it. We're yeah. not, they were essentially a consumer products company that said, hey, let's start making entertainment. So that seems to be what everybody's into now. And they have the devices that deliver some of that entertainment with their, you know, consumer products. But at the mm -hmm. same time, they're, they're sitting there without a, a solid library, whereas like Peacock, Hulu, um, uh, now Paramount Plus, they yeah. all have this. <clears throat> well, I almost feel like what they... And I think the, some of the, the direction comes from Cupertino, but I almost feel like they make films like they make products. Like it's one-off, high-end, nicely done stuff. But honestly, they're, they're just not going to make it in this way. And I know J.P. Richards 
has kind of uh, moved and joined Apple. So maybe there's going to be some shakeup in the LA scene. I don't think he's had, has the premier title necessarily to have all that authority, but maybe some stuff's going to kind of come out of this kind of Culver City space that they put out there and, and maybe make a play. Um, but they're, they're just going to fall short until they kind of step in and, and get a whole library. Yeah, if, you think, if, if you think back to the, the announcement, if you remember when they announced Apple TV Plus, they rolled out this huge production where they brought all these stars and Spielberg and Oprah and just all these people and showed up and it was sort of like, wow, they're bringing, they're bringing the big guns. And yeah. then it was like, yeah. Like and each person made thing. one thing and we watched it and we're done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it just, it, what, it didn't live up to the hype. And I think that's what they're trying to figure out right now. So this big acquisition and with JP Richards going on there, most focusing more on the strategy side of it, which is obviously important. Often at times, as Robin can attest to from our time at Fox, strategy sometimes gets pushed to the back burner and it's all about creative, 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 creative. And sometimes with particularly with films like Akoda, which is more of a potentially a niche market, a strategy is extremely important to how you roll it out, your audience, where your audience is, those kinds of things. And I think the fact that JP is there and his goal is to be, his title is film marketing strategy. So yeah. maybe this will put them in the, push them in the right direction. Um, and he did a lot, he, he was basically a digital guy before he kind of took over at Warner Brothers. Um, so that's his experience is a lot in the digital space. So that maybe will help Apple sort of start figuring out a way to just do, uh, to have a build a campaign that leads to at a release versus yeah. just throwing it out in the platform and you, just say, okay, cross the fingers, let's hope somebody notices and it gets some burn, which is what Netflix has just been doing, but they do it very well. Like they put out titles that just penetrate the culture, Bridgerton being the most recent example that just everybody starts talking about. They don't need to do a full push behind it because everybody always starts their evenings out. Oh, let's see what's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apple yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Robin. I was just going to say, look, JP is a brilliant hire. I'm a huge fan of JP Richards. Um, I think he is so strategic and really smart. And he's worked on um, numerous campaigns, both from the commercial side to the limited release side. And he's never afraid to do something big and bold. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's, young but old enough to understand traditional marketing and to also understand um, the traditional marketing model that used to be a little bit at studios and to be able to apply what works from that still because there's a lot that still works from that right. that that people get and I think the biggest uh, coup for Apple and getting him over there is because Apple hasn't had this yet over there is uh, the fact that JP has relationships already with filmmakers and with partners outside and he's been dealing with that side of the business which is a hugely important part of the business in general is relationships as we know and jp um has some of the best ones and he's going to know how to treat those he's going to know how to treat the filmmakers and approach them and involve them in their campaigns which you have to do um that i think is going to be um that's going to be the biggest feather in his cap i think going over to apple and i think Apple was smart to bring in somebody who's uh, who already has those relationships versus bringing in somebody who doesn't, which we've seen time and time again not work 
at other. Well, may, and maybe this is uh, Apple admitting that they know they're they're not set up right, and this is bringing somebody in to kind of put some standards and practice in place. Uh, I, I personally just think it's volume. I my 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 critique of Netflix, who creates so much content, is not all of it is great. Even though they have yeah. the premier names, the premier names with with bad writing and directing doesn't get us the kind of content we, we want or deserve. And then Apple, I feel like they don't, they are going in too deep. They're, they're trying to get the prestigious, well-created, well-cast thing. I mean, Morning, Morning Show was so well-cast. I mean, all these A-list actors all over the place, even to just pay, pay smaller parts, a, a huge investment for them. Awesome, but then I don't. I, is there a season two? Like, there, like it doesn't. It doesn't keep on playing itself out to keep me on platform. Well, I, so maybe I JP is, a, is the mission that we need to do something yeah. different. I think it's also a level of hubris on sort of the sort of the Silicon Valley tech lords who came down and said, you know what, this Hollywood business, this the way they do things is so old school. We're going to come in here with all our data and our very efficient process, and we're just going to take this down. And then they they got in there and they're like. Oh, wait a yeah. minute. There's actually a process to this. There's actually relationships. You actually know have to know how to do production. There's actually yeah. a pre-production process. There's actually post-production. You need to know how to do all those things. Mm. Oh, and don't forget, you have to keep the talent happy. So I, Keith, I feel like you're just talking about Amazon because we probably know everybody that's been in Amazon, worked there for six weeks and got the <laughs> hell out because Amazon is a crazy place to work, right? Well, yeah. So, because all the streamers are crazy places to work for that exact reason, because they're mm. They're basically, it's taking the tech sort of culture of like, let's go out there and break shit and trying yeah. to bring it down to a very, uh, a model as Robin has, and as we've all pointed out, is built on relationships. Tech is not built on relationships. <clears throat> tech is about going in there, figuring out what works, and if it doesn't work, you move on. That's not how Hollywood works. Hollywood yeah. works, there's established processes, and you want to try to change and make things better, but you can't just come in and break shit because their relationships aren't built on sort of the idea of coming in and be like, no, that's not how we did it. I mean, Jason Klar is a perfect example of that. He's a guy who comes in, he's a techie guy, and he's like, you know what? We're moving everything to HBO Max. And now right. look at them, they're scrambling because they burned a, over a century of a brand in, in Hollywood about being the talent-friendly studio that they yeah. just threw out the window. Well, yeah. you pull out the rug from underneath um, all these filmmakers and partners and people who have been part of this process for years. And I think the one thing that I think of when I think of, you know, the tech world coming in and it's, it, it, there's so many pros and so many cons, right? The pros are that like they've created all these new channels for us to distribute. Like the con is that they've created new channels for distribution. But I do think that, you know, some of the cons are, and this is one of the things that um, you can't, the creators are the most important people in this business, the ones who actually create the content um, and the ones who actually, um, because it, it's not, the, the movies themselves, the TV shows, all of the content itself is why people are watching. And um, just because a movie isn't huge and for one big audience doesn't mean that a small audience doesn't like it, a small segment of that audience doesn't like it, and doesn't mean that it's not valuable. And I think that tech has come in and they, they the way that, even the way they sell their media, right? Where they'll say, you'll hear like, 
oh, buy the YouTube masthead and you'll get more people to come to your movie. Well, no, if your creative sucks, yeah, you've, you've, you've shown it, then you've given 84 million people a reason to opt out, right? Yeah, like, that's exactly it's, it. It's all about the creative from start to finish, from what the movie actually is or what the TV show actually is to what the marketing of it looks like. Like you can really screw up a campaign um, from the beginning by what you choose to show and what you choose not to show. And that's changed with Netflix. That's why they have, you know, a rotunda of pictures to, to target specific people in the audience. And that throws the typical traditional model on its head because we used to spend hours picking this one poster, you know, picking this one piece of art that we like the one behind key that we want to properly sell the movie that encapsulates the positioning and the strategy and everything about it that we want to get out. I still think there's a place for that. And I still think that that's important. Um, it's just- Yeah, but so let me, just, let me just put this idea out there though, because I, I, I totally agree with you guys. When you sell an app, right? The idea is to get the person's attention so they download the app and start using it. But once we're on the app, we don't have to be constantly sold that the app has great features. We're basically just using it. That, that process makes sense. When it comes to selling a film, you have to get my attention and then I use it for two hours and then I'm done using it. So you have to get my attention again and again and again. But I'll say this, we also have to recognize that the world is changing and we don't wanna be the, the content Luddites that are saying, oh, Hollywood is this way and we actually aren't seeing a major shift happening. A big part of this show is actually to, to draw attention to some of the new realities. I mean, yeah. if you're going to talk about the, the award show situation where Netflix comes in and just basically dominates the Golden Globes. Two years ago, the Hollywood was saying, Netflix, get out of here. You're not real. These, a film is this. And this year, they're just like Netflix is Hollywood. Netflix is going to win those award shows. So there's, there is a, a shift happening. And we don't want to be necessarily left behind in an old way of recognizing it. The, because tech is owning it, Hollywood will change and therefore there'll be new standards. And that's what the, that reconciliation is kind of something we're all trying to figure out. Yeah, I think the Netflix side of it, I mean, look, I, part of the reason, a big part of the reason why Netflix is leading the charge is because studios haven't been able to lead the charge this year. They've been null and void. I mean, even now, even today, like we're approaching a year on this pandemic now and only 40% of, um, U.S. and Canada's theaters are open and they're, none of them are operating at full capacity even. So, you know, it makes sense that the Netflixes and Amazons and the people who've been able to capitalize on COVID um, are the ones who are, are shining at, yeah. at, at award shows this year. So I don't know, I, I, I think it is gonna be partially telling because they've been able to get an edge this year. Um, but I also think that if they think that they're the only ones, like next year, if, if the world returns to some sense of normal, hopefully um, it does, um, then, you know, they're still going to be competing with theatrical. I would say that I, I think this was already in the process. Like if you look at last year, Netflix dominated last year too. And that was even before yep. the pandemic started. Marriage Story, Irishman. Yeah, yep. Netflix has. Yeah, and Amazon Netflix. wins. Amazon won uh, for Schitt's Creek or whatever when it came to the Emmys too. So we know that these platforms are doing it. They are taking over. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Kate. Sorry. Yeah, and I think this it, it started before the pandemic, and I think Hollywood tried to fight it. Like 
I don't know, we, well, we've talked about this before, but Spielberg put up like a half second fight with the Academy about whether or not Netflix films should qualify for the Academy, because are they actually a movie? Is yeah. it a film? Um, and he backed down after like five seconds, because obviously you, with all that cash that Netflix has, you can't fight that battle. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the larger problem that the industry as a whole is gonna face once this is all said and done mm -hmm. is that we, the industry as a whole has sort of given the feel to Netflix. And I think what they should be doing is fighting to say, yes, Netflix is important in terms of letting creators have another avenue to get their stories out there. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget about theatrical and the experience of going to the movies. And let's think all think back to our childhoods about what movie we saw when we were kids, going to the movies, getting your popcorn, going to sit down in the dark theater and watching that movie and just being transported to yeah. another world. They are completely forgetting about that. And yeah. I think that is going to be a disservice to them when we, everything returns to normal. Because we talked about this last week. There have been competing surveys. There was an NRG survey saying, oh, 75% of people are going to come back to the theater. Flip it out. There's another survey that says 80% of people aren't going back to the theater because they don't see a reason to. But don't you also think, like so the cash, shouldn't the yeah. Academy be doing this fight too? Because yes. the, the Academy, if they don't step up and do something different, we, we honestly, like, we're just not going to care anymore. We're not going to care about the Academy Awards anymore. We're not going to care about the theatrical experience. No, no differentiator between that and the Emmys and the Golden Globes or whatever. It just all blends together. And I, I believe part of that is, is that we're all not having a pop culture experience together. So I'll say, like, when Schindler's List came into the theaters, there was no doubt it was going to win Best Picture. Like, we all experienced it. It was clearly the best picture that we've seen that year. Now, like, I don't even know if we've even, the three of us even seen the same movies besides Wonder Woman, and that's not winning Best Picture. No. You know what I mean? So, like, that, what, it, like, it's not registering in the same way. Yeah, I would give, I, I'm going to give credit to Rich Rushfeld, who writes a, a, a piece, a newsletter called The Ankler, which is really sort of deep dive into the industry. And those of you who don't subscribe, I highly recommend you subscribe. And his pitch on the Oscars has been, he's always, he, he's, he's pushing back on sort of like, this is supposed to be the time of year when we celebrate movie magic. And the Oscars have not been magical for a long time. Mm. And they're now gonna have a show and they've been struggling with viewers and sort of it's sort of tanking down. And they're gonna have a show this year where they're gonna celebrate movies where most of the time people haven't seen them. Now nobody's seen them. And his pitch is like, why not just put a pause on the awards and just do an hour of celebrating movies and have all this big talent come out and talk about what the great experience of going to a movie is, why you love going and don't promote your freaking movie that's coming out like they Netflix did where they had these guys talk about how great a movie is, but I'm only doing this because I got a movie coming out on Netflix in six months. Yeah, right. Talk about why you feel the theatrical experience is so important and celebrate movies. That's so you're putting have. a you're putting a new spin on for your consideration. It's almost like yeah, consider going to the films, Robin. What do you think from that from the creator's point of view? Like, don't you feel like they're being cut short by having these higher end artwork just being blended into everything? I do. Look, I think first off, I just want to say this is a wonky year. It it's just a wonky year from start to finish, and there's there's 
pros and cons to that. I love the idea. I, I honestly, I think the two can coexist if you think about it. Like you can still do that. Yeah. But the movies that people did make and that did end up getting rolled out this year, like Promising Young Woman or um, Nomadland or uh, Mank or all the ones that are getting recognized um, and getting that are being talked about, at least in the industry, none of them are being talked about commercially because um, a lot of them haven't even become available for people to see yet, um, but they will. And, and that's, I, I think, part of what the industry has to learn. But I do think, um, I think that these creators, you know, Sound of Metal, like I said, they deserve to, these movies do deserve to be celebrated. And those artists do deserve to be, um, they've had a hard year too. You know, they've had, they've, a lot of those movies, Trial of Chicago 7 was supposed to be at Paramount, ends up getting sold. Like, there's a long road and there's years spent on these projects and, and you don't want those to just get swept under the rug either. Like you wanna be able to celebrate it. Um, but I do think that the Academy um, should take a bigger role in doing exactly what you said, Keith, and, and, and have, because it is their responsibility to keep moviegoers engaged and to keep them excited about coming to the movies. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think every single person in this industry or who hopes to have a job in Hollywood should make that their responsibility and priority at this moment of how do I bring moviegoers back? Because um, and, and it, it, cause it's not, it's also, the, the industry is not just, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. It's not just theaters that are, you know, getting cut out as much. It's also like TV channels. Like you think about streaming and how much it's changed. Like it has completely changed the economics of this industry in general. And all of the traditional models, the way that studios used to um, own the rights to this content and then grant access to the TVSs of the world, to the, you know, the licensing of the content and syndication. Now streamers have created this platform to be able to have a direct um, relationship with their consumer that completely cuts out the TV, you yeah. know, the, the TV channels too. So now, you know, you, you're, you're cutting out both sides of the business um, and just having, you're cutting out all the middlemen, I guess, as you would say. So it, 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 it's changing in that way. But I also think that while it's becoming super convenient for the streamers, you got to think about the consumer. It's highly like I've, I'm annoyed when I get on my TV and I have choice paralysis and I sit there and go look at Netflix and then I'm like, what's on Apple or what's on Amazon? What's on HBO Max? What's on Netflix? It takes me an hour to pick something to watch. And then by then I end up just watching, turning it off and going back to my DirecTV and watching Seinfeld for 30 minutes. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I do. No, it's yeah. because it's like, do, uh, I turn on one platform and it goes to infinity and I turn on the next platform to infinity. Yeah. Like how do you navigate from infinity to infinity plus? Like it just doesn't really play itself out very well. Yeah. The other thing is yeah. the streamers are going to be creating the best content and saving it for their streaming outlets because that's how they're getting subscribers, right? That's what's most important to them. So by that function, then they're going to be pushed to um, program all their TV channels and other outlets with just cheap programming at that point, too. So the whole industry is being turned up on side. Yeah, let me, add, let me compound this a little bit, too, because we had Sean on a couple of weeks ago, and, and Sean was mentioning 
this idea of, well, he, he presented this idea that's uh, obviously profound in that when you're playing a video game, you're basically, you're engaged multiple times yeah. for, uh, for, for a few hours in a one day period, opposed to a film right. where I can consume in two hours and I'm done. A game, every time I jump into it, it's a brand new experience, even though it's one yeah. piece of content. And yeah. then these content or these gaming studios are jumping into the entertainment space. Obviously, Sean moving um, to, to uh, over to his space was one thing, but Ryan Crosby, who is now joining Riot from Hulu, is another big move of recognizing, wait, these gamers are also kind of playing this game, this space too. Yeah. And entertainment evolving into a, a live form dynamic space like game provides. You, you, it's not, we're not going to be using the term OTT anymore. It's going to be a, even a totally different direct consumer connection we have that you aren't going to unengage somebody from the universe they're sitting inside of, let alone the platform they're watching their content from. Yeah. Um, so that these evolutions are taking place right in front of us. And uh, as content creators, right, we'll just have that point of view for a second. Content creators, the opportunities are huge, but I think our judgment is what we don't understand anymore. So like, does an Oscar mean anything anymore? Does even who, who it's distributed on? Because fair point to you, Robin, you know, the Chicago 7 was not meant for Netflix. So are we going to downplay it because it got a Netflix distribution before a theatrical distribution? Like that's not fair to the creators that that wasn't their intention. It wasn't even their original distribution deal, but obviously that's how it played out for them. We shouldn't hold well, them accountable for, for that. Yeah, and I think, look, uh, you know, there's a big part, that's a huge conversation with the talent agencies right now and all of the, uh, you know, all of the partners who are involved in that because specifically, I think the HBO Max is a great example of like how they, how they just pulled the rug out, like I said, from underneath all of these partners forever and changed a lot of those deals, which were, I mean, that changes, you know, back-end deals and a lot of those talent and filmmakers were, um counting on bonuses and counting on based off of the box office performance because that's how we would determine success and now with a you know release for subscriberships like there's no you know when we we're already trying to figure out how do you measure success on, <laughs> yeah, right, right? Yeah. so like you know now i think it it is up to the talent agencies to come in and and figure out okay so how do we actually why should we be as invested in doing this now if this is how you're going to release our product? Yeah. So, you know, whether it's higher upfront fees to do these movies, you know, to agree to do these movies. I also think that every single movie now, even if you're doing the structure, if you're structuring a deal at a studio, you should take into consideration the what if, right? Which nobody took in the what if this year, but I guarantee you they will now. To say, oh, yeah. okay, I mean, what if Disney... you're going to send the streaming? Because you might, you might yeah. send the streaming. So how does that affect me and my deal? And if it does, I want to write it in right now, right? Yeah, I mean, Disney is restructuring their whole thing to have a distribution strategist as part of that. We now have JP Richards at Apple distribution strategy as part of that. We know yeah. uh, Time Warner, that's what their big, our, our, uh, yeah, Warner Media, that was their big thing with yeah. uh, distribution strategy, putting things first and the changes up there. I mean, that's, I mean, even just the, the massive reorg that's happening in Amazon is asking the question again, like distribution strategy, like, are we going to really hold people accountable for the format it's released on or, or is it the content itself? And if it's all about format, then our content creators are commodities. Right. If it's a content itself, then they're lifted up and have some prestige there. But right now, I mean, they're just being shifted to like, oh, that's just another film that's going to be consumed by subscribers. There's no revenue sharing in this model and yeah. you know, good luck to you I, for the next I, one. I, 
I think Rob makes a great point about terms of like what these deals are going to look like because there, there's no, there's no uniform system of how, what rates of success. Like if you look at Netflix, their whole thing is I think like at least two minutes. That's considered a view or something like that. Yeah. It's like, what? What? Like so? <laughs> and it's so uneven. And then Apple TV will say, yeah, um, that Justin Timberlake movie, which I forget the name of it. I apologize. Um, is like their most watched ever. But they didn't release any details. They're just like, it's the most watched ever. Okay, bye. And like what they said with Wonder Woman. They said yeah. it was the most viewed, had the most viewed minutes, which I'm yeah. like. What does that yeah. mean? Can you imagine yeah, the, then, like, being in a movie theater next. and like everybody leaving after two minutes except for a few people and saying, well, that's yeah, I, I, I <laughs> It's like, without that sort of consistency, yeah, yeah. our agencies are going to be like, how am I going to rate this as success if you're, if you tell me it's a success, okay, great. But that's so like the, the thing about box office is the numbers were there. You could look at the numbers yeah. and you would see like, okay, this movie's a hit, and you yeah. get 10% of the back end once we break even. There was very specific terms. Yeah. Now it's like, uh, okay, if we get 85 million views, we get a 10%. I mean, what? What? I mean, it's just. Well, it's, it's so also like the other thing that I I can't. This is where. So they're very, no one's transparent with the sharing. Yeah. Um, and then they they decide what and when and how things will be shared. Like HBO yeah. Max refused to share any of its information. And then it finally released some information from Nielsen or granted them permission to release some metrics, which were the uh, minutes viewed for Wonder Woman, where I laugh because they're like, oh, the next one was Soul. Like between that Christmas week, right? Yeah. You had, I think it was Wonder Woman was first and Soul was second. But here's the thing, if you're looking at minutes viewed, those movies are different lengths. So yes. you're gonna have different numbers because no. no movie is the same amount of time. No. Some movies are three hours long. So like that, that of course there's gonna be viewed, like the minutes, it, it, it's, it is not a solid or telling metric in any way, shape or form. It's actually just a waste of time in terms of like, it, it's kind of just tooting your own horn and I feel like they're trying to put a feather in the cap of the filmmakers and trying to appease their partners and make them happy about going with the choice to move to streaming, right? Robin, and I think you just gave me the biggest insight that I've had in this whole thing, which is why they included the invisible plane scene in the middle of Wonder Woman. And now we know they extended it by 10 <laughs> minutes to get the most minutes viewed. There's no minutes. other reason yeah. for that <laughs> scene. But well, also, here's the other thing about Nielsen. Here's the other thing about Nielsen and the metrics, like the way that they're showing it and the way that they tell you that only, Nielsen can only track, the only ones who have the exact data and know are the actual distributors, like HBO Max. Nielsen only has access to the movies that are seen on a television platform, right? So if you watch it on your cell phone or you watch it on your iPad or your computer, they don't have that. They don't have that information. So think about how many people who are under the age of 30 these days who don't even have televisions and that's how they consume all of their content. Right. So you're also missing a huge percentage of yeah. viewership. And it's just, it's, it's, it's um, the lack of transparency is what makes it so difficult, specifically on the talent and filmmaker side, like to even structure a deal because how can you, when you don't, when when you don't know how to measure the success and you're not even being given the access to see if it's successful or not. Yeah, well said. I mean, even even uh, recently, Snapchat released uh, their Q1 or last quarter um, uh, data. 
and they had extreme growth. And that's, we never even talk about Snapchat, but you're thinking yeah. about that's just viewership of minutes in a certain demographic that no one's even registering anymore. Yeah. And those used to, those are people that used to buy uh, uh, video rentals and uh, film box office seats and that kind of stuff, or at least viewerships on, on television platform. That's now those minutes are being disapp disappearing to platforms that aren't even on our register. But they are right. getting viewers and they're getting notoriety and they're generating revenue and they're doing revenue sharing on it in, in different, totally different ways. All right, there's so much to cover, but I think we've, we've wrapped up this half hour pretty good. Yeah, as always, where there's no shortage of us trying to figure out how to, yeah. Um, I think we did a pretty, pretty interesting, uh, some perspective here because um, really there's, a, there's this understanding of uh, content has to win. We know creative has to win. That's part of the, mm -hmm. the reason why we're even in this industry to begin with. And we know the better the creative is, the greater the following that you have. I think what we all understand is like, how do we even know anymore? And, and maybe the question to ask in the future is, does it really matter? Does it matter like the greatest number of minutes or the greatest number of box office, or is it long-term play? Um, is it just uh, repeatability of something or keeping an audience from season to season? Because all these things are now coming into our, our zeitgeist of, of film and creation, film and TV creation that we have to kind of register. I think, you know, to me, again, I just take a step back and look at it from like the 101, you know, marketing 101 and also just as a movie lover and a movie goer, if I love it, that, that's all that matters. If it's good, if it's good content, then that's what matters and I'm going to find it and I'm going to follow it. And, yeah. um, and I do think that the streamers, you know, none of them, while they've all very successfully built elevated, um, series from Mandalorian to Stranger Things, you know, they all have their own little series. Not one of them has created an elevated franchise from a film perspective, not one. Very true. So yeah. the only outlet that has done that and that's still doing that is theatrical. And um, until streaming comes in and actually proves that they can do it, then, you know, there's still, as far as I'm concerned, there's still a huge need for theatrical. And I do, I, I agree. There was an article I read the other day. Uh, Tom Rothman was saying it. Uh, and, you know, Tom, I, I think he's super smart. And, and I always love his perspective because he's old, old Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but he, he made a comment of like, people are going to keep going to the movies because it's fun. He's right. It's fun. And I do think that there is something to be said when we get back to some sense of normalcy and people are going out. Like, I don't want to sit and watch one more Netflix movie because I've been doing it for a year. I yeah. can't wait. I don't even care what movie I see. I just need to be in a theater with people and be, again, roaring 20s. We keep saying it. Everyone's throwing that out. I am a believer that that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen immediately. But I do think that through 22 and 2023, that we are going to see uh, a return in that. I well, do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us up right there because those are good parting words. We believe with Tom Rothman of like, we do this because it's fun. I, I totally would have to agree with that. And honestly, the reason why <laughs> Keith and I started Hollywood Breaks as a conversation is just to recognize what Hollywood is really about, to see these uh, changing trends to get some insights of what's really happening, but to have the dialogue that needs to take place because yeah. we're all we're all kind of navigating this. There aren't any solid answers that we know of yet and, and probably and maybe not even soon, but um, the opportunities that come about being a content creator, being uh, looking at the opportunities that are coming with all these new platforms and recognizing the challenges that are there 
that's that's what a career is made of. So um, welcome that. Well, Robin, thank you so much for being our guest. We love having you. And I don't know if we're going to see you again before little Robin shows up in our lives. But uh, <laughs> if not, if we can get you on one more time before uh, you go on, on leave, that'd be really awesome. Um, so, if we don't, love, blessings to yeah. you and, and health to you, your little child. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. I'll do the podcast from the hospital. There you go. <laughs> That's in, there you go. <laughs> you're like, doctor, one second. I have to get this point across. Yeah, the I just, I and then you're like... <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I got a little time left, so you never know. You may see me one more time, but that'd be awesome. Well, we love you guys. Blessings to you guys. And what's going on. And Keith, as always, it's great to have you here as my sidekick, making sure I stay on track and, and making this thing happen. Our other thanks goes to Lydia behind the scenes and producing this every week. Um, you and the creative team uh, go social. Thank you for all that you guys are doing to help us and Curly Joe for your support and getting this stuff out there on the platforms. Um, thank you again, and we hope to see you again next week on Hollywood Breaks. Uh, have a good week.